Good morning, everybody. It's very, very nice to see you again this morning. This is bright and happy Sabbath, isn't it? I'm just rejoicing to see you and praise and worship with you for the Lord. Now, many of you came to me and said, well, you know, Pastor Kang, I mean, we we love to see you and and all, but uh, we miss you Korean quartet. You heard in Hatkable last year, and uh, some of you came to me and said, "Oh, I, you, know, you just wish that uh, you can hear a Korean quartet again." Well, I feel <laughs> I'm in a way obligated to give you something. I mean, even though I cannot sing quartet myself, I, I, at least I can sing a solo for you before I preach. Is that all right with you? Yes. Of course, if you want to. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to sing one of my favorite songs called How Great Thou Art. I praise God because He saved my life. I praise my Lord because He saved my family. And I praise God because He is going to come soon to take us back. So I'm going to sing this one out of my bottom of my my heart. God, when I'm in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, And take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then shall I bow in humble adoration, And there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. You know, this is my melody of my soul. I want to see Jesus, don't you? As I told you last night, Jesus Christ is going to come very, very soon. And He is going to come to take His people who is ready without sin. And I know the numbers are going to be small, but definitely there are going to be God's people when He comes. When I see you all, my heart just thrills. Do you know why? Because when I go to Korea, I see same kind of people everywhere. Although the numbers are small, but same faith, same trust, same dedication, same faces, same truth. They come to our meeting. I feel the same Holy Spirit like I can feel in this tent. Praise God for His mighty work. I tell you, maybe you think you are small, maybe you think you are lonely. You're nothing. But I tell you, God is raising His people all around the world. I have seen it. I have seen it. Before I start my talk this morning, let me ask you two simple questions. Are you overcoming the Lord? Maybe all your, your answer, your responses are all gone through the va- I mean, vapor or <laughs> through the ceiling somewhere. Are you overcoming in the Lord? Yes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You see, we should train ourselves to praising God more and more. Amen. It's so easy to fussing around and complaining around, you know. But we rather have to find the things we can praise God every day. You see, since this is the Sabbath, it's a praising hours we have to enjoy. You see, I, I, this is what I feel. This praising spirit, adoration spirit, the spirit and attitude of, of gratitude. This thing, this character will take us through the time of trouble. Because the time of trouble waiting for us is going to be a hard one. You know, as I read the volume 3, of testimony. And then your wife said in the chapter, The uh, Impressive Dream, she said, Those only who are familiar with the, with the sufferings and hardships are going to go through the time of trouble. Oh, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, before Jesus comes, we have to take the cross like Jesus did. At that time, we need the sweet spirit of Jesus Christ. We have to praise God more every day. Now, second question, let me ask you this. When we go to heaven and enjoy the eternal Sabbath there, all our sins are going to be behind us? Yes. All the troubles of the world are going to be behind us? Yes, definitely. Now, then let me ask you another question. Then the Sabbath, the, 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 every weekly cycle, the seventh-day Sabbath is a small taste 
and the symbol of the eternal Sabbath? Yes, then let it be so. Let all the sins wipe away and behind you on every Sabbath when you miss Sabbath. As I told you last night, many, many Seventh-day Adventist people, they do not keep the Sabbath properly. Do you know why? Because, because they still have known sins cherished in their heart when they come to the church. Isn't that terrible? Before Sabbath comes, I tell you, my brothers and sisters, you should, you should confess all known sins to Jesus Christ and be purged by the blood of Jesus Christ and His power. It can be done. And then you can come into a new enjoyment, new relationship, new creation every week. That's what it means, Sabbath. That's why Sabbath is the seal of God for the last generation in the last days. Without this true Sabbath-keeping experience, you and I cannot be real Seventh-day Adventist church members. They can proclaim to be Adventist, but in actuality they are not. You know, Brother Nebo and I, well, we, we talked about it last night uh, together. You see, we do not really have to expose what is the church and what not is the church. We don't really have to fight against about it. But you, will, you and I will see what is the church when the time of persecution comes. Then we will see the visible church there, purify the church. Then you will see the real people of God. You know, I spoke about a sanctuary last night, and I'm going to sp speak about sanctuary again this morning. But this afternoon, I'm going to tell you my own testimony, how the Lord led my life, how the Lord gave the true repentance experience into my family, and then how the Lord led me into the independent ministry. Strange enough, you see? And I'm going to tell my testimony to you this afternoon. I hope you, you'll just stay around and, to listen to that, and it'll help you to understand what's going on in the church through my own, own personal testimony. You see, the Bible says in Psalm, Thy way, O God, is in what? The sanctuary. You see, our forefathers and pioneers of Seventh-day Adventist Church knew up and down and inside out everything about the sanctuary. That's why they did not afford to have errors in the church. But now they're looking to get the churches, churches, pulpits, what they preach about the sanctuary. Almost nothing. In our Adventist schools, almost nothing. And the heresies and new theology are just triumphant. Why is it? Because we are lost of contact of the real teachings of the sanctuary. That teaching made us to be called the Seventh-day Adventists. Not, not the other things, actually. Not even the Sabbath. The sanctuary service message and understanding made us Seventh-day Adventists. You know, especially it, it just gives me pain and suffering when I see young people nowadays run out of the church. You give them straight testimony. You just preach them like it is in the Bible and spirit prophecy. They will be contained in the church, I guarantee you. As I told you last night, if you come to our church in, in Georgia, the Korean church, we have a close to 200 membership now. We are, we are operating the church as an independent church. We didn't meant to be that way. We wanted to be the part of the conference church. But 
We are not allowed now, yet. But we're praying. But if, if you come to our church, you will see young people, live, love the Lord, straight. You see, when they come to the church, even, even, even camp meetings, no shorts, no pants, all long skirts. All the young people, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, and 22. Young people, girls. And we ask, please do not wear a cap with the letters or picture can promote the world or sports games or sports teams. They don't bring it. Don't, don't wear any shirt that can promote any worldly amusement or worldly teams or letters and pictures on your shirts. They follow, they follow our, our rules. They love the Lord. You see, you just give them as it is, the straight stuff, and they will stay in the church. I guarantee you. You see the sanctuary message? Did our Jesus Christ knew the sanctuary message? Of course he did. I mean, when, when Jesus Christ understood the sanctuary message completely, when do you think? Exactly, sister. When he was 12 years old, he understood the sanctuary, everything. When he came to the Jerusalem as the first time, when he was 12 years old, and he watched the Paschal Lamb was slain and, and uh, burned in the bondage of offerings, he knew that Paschal Lamb meant himself. He knew sometime in his future life he has to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. He knew it. Jesus Christ knew the sanctuary message. You know, think about it. Imagine about this, you know. And Jesus Christ, 12 years old, just a small lad, coming to the church, you see, big sanctuary. And uh, met great scholars of that day, rabbis, you know, PhD, EDD, DDS, or THDs at that time, with all those special caps and gowns and, uh, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? You see, when we, when we see them, professors, when they march in, when we have a, a graduation service, all these people, the great scholars at the time, sat with Jesus Christ. They were dumbfounded because 12 years old is understanding about the Bible and sanctuary. They're just dumbfounded. And they're talking to each other. Uh, was he in your class? No, he was not in my class. Was he in your class? No, no, he was not in my class. Was he in your class? No, not in my class. You see? And then they were horrified when they found out that this boy was homeschooler. Do you know what I'm talking about? You see, it doesn't take theology, it doesn't take schooling to understand sanctuary. You see, as a matter of fact, I mean, the, the Bible says in Matthew, around chapter 13, Well, Jesus said, well, I thank God, my Father, because you, of my Father God, you reveal your revelation to the people who have a mind of child. If you become simpler, you understand the Bible better. You know, the two principles of Jesus' life was this. What God says in the Bible. And the second principle is what God wants me to do. That's all, all He cared about. What God says, He does. What God wants me to do, He does. 
That's what he knows. That's what it means giving glory to God. Do you know that? I know seven seven Bible commentary, page nine eight nine, I believe, says. Giving glory to, give glory to Him means revealing His character in our lives. I know that. But what is, what is it? Revealing Jesus Christ's character, what does it mean? Follow the world, the Word of God. Obedience, total surrendering to the plan of God designed for you and for me. Oh, brothers and sisters, this morning... Is there anyone in this, in this tent who does not have a perfect peace with God? And you know it. You can deceive your wife and husband, your children and your neighbors and your fellow people. But you know it. And you're deep down in your conscience, you know it. You still have nagging feelings that you are not totally right with God. If there's anyone like that in this tent this morning, I am pleading with you, come to Jesus, confess all your known sins, and be cleansed. Be cleansed. That's why he gave us the sanctuary message. Sanctuary, why did in first place he asked us to, well, asked Moses to build a sanctuary? In order to live and dwell among them. If you live with them, you can understand that God. You see, God wants to teach them about what, what, what God like every day so that people can come closer to Him, not be afraid of. You know, Jesus Christ, when He was 12 years old, when He watched the Paschal Lamb, combined with the Daniel 9 revelation of 70 weeks, out of, cut out of the 2300 days prophecy, remember? Does it ring a bell to you? <laughs> you know, I, it, tell the truth. I, I find many Seventh-day Adventists do not know about this. Do not know about 70 weeks, do not know about 2300 days. Isn't that terrible? What had happened to Seventh-day Adventist church? I'll tell you. But Jesus Christ knew when he was 12 years old. Combined Daniel 9 and the sanctuary service, he understood. He understood after 18 years, he has to die for the sin of the world. He understood. Do you know what I'm talking about? He understood Nisan 14, 3 o'clock p.m., which means between the evening, it's at 3 o'clock p.m. in their time. A.D. 31. He knew he has to die for the world. So his life was set up and designed by God, his father. And his look was straight forward to Jerusalem. And he, he was going to live it. Oh, my brothers and sisters, your life and my life should be the same way. If we follow Jesus Christ, our lifestyle should be same type. Why shouldn't we? different. As I told you last night, it's a sanctuary service telling us and teaching us about the life of the saints. Of course, primarily the life of Jesus Christ. You see? So through the sanctuary, 
we understand how we should live according to the footstep of Jesus Christ. You know, that's why, that's why our Lord Jesus Christ, he, he was very cautious. He didn't want to arouse people too quickly, unnecessarily, so that he can be killed earlier time. Do you know what I'm talking about? You see, well, well think about this. If he, if he was slain, if he was killed, AD 30 or AD 29, Nissan 14, 3 o'clock p.m., then whole 2300 prophecy could have gone to the train. Do you know what I'm talking about? So he has to fulfill as a, as a substitute for the sins of the world. At the same time, he has to fulfill the prophecy. That's why, brothers and sisters, you and I should not run in front of the angels. Let's work in our ministry, in our home, in our personal life. Let's do it according to God's plan. Let's not be hasty. Okay? I see many ministries become too hasty in their judgment and decisions. They make problems, you know. But I'll tell you, but God has a designated plan for your life, for my life, and for this, for here, for you. Now, okay, before I go any further, I'm going to have to test you. I'm going to have to test you, see if uh, English Adventists are better than Korean Adventists. Well, maybe not. I'm so, not, not like that. But I just want to test you, see if how how far you can you can know about the sanctuary message. Okay. Now, picture this. All right. Here, here, here's a this is a sanctuary. This is the ark, the most holy place, and this sanctuary, and out there's a labor, and there's a burnt offering, right? The uh, Right? Burnt off the altar. And then, white linen wall. As sinner brings the lamb. As a matter of fact, when he brings the lamb, before he brings it, he has to select the best one out of the lambs he's got, the animal he's got. He has to turn them upside down. He has to investigate. You see? Without blemish. No faults. The clean one he has to bring. When you bring your offerings and yourself to Jesus Christ, make it pure and wholesome. That's the offering Jesus will accept from you. You see, we are trying to bring a beautiful flower and roses to our wives. But when we bring our offerings to Christ, sometimes it's terrible. We do not even treat God like we treat our wives. Isn't that terrible? We should be serious, serious in our in a religious experience. You know, <clears throat> when this uh, person comes with a lamb or goat or different type of animal to give the sacrifice for his own sin, I'm talking about sin offering, okay? Brings it, and first thing he does is what? In the courtyard, what, what does he do? What does he do? He lays his hand over the head of this Paschal lamb, right? Okay, he confesses his own sins, right? All right. And then what does he do? What does he do? He kills him. 
Okay, who kills him? The sinner himself kills him. How? How? Like I told you last night, from ear to ear, cut his throat like this, long. Cut it open. And then what? Cut it crossway of the belly, long like this. And then what? Take all the organs and intestines out. And then what? Clean it with the waters. And then what? Cut them and put them on. <laughs> you see, I tricked you here. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> but I tell you, 99 out of Adventists, they're tricked by this question. You did not thoroughly read a Leviticus chapter 1 through 6 yet. Maybe you have read, and you said, oh, this is, this is you know, all blood filled, you know, ceremonies and rituals and, you know, offerings. It doesn't really interest me, I'll tell you. Leviticus has a full, beautiful gospel in it. I love this book when I read it. You know, one sin offering brings it, confess sin, cut the throat, cut the belly, and then take all the organs out, cleanse it, and then take it aside. Do you know what they do? This, this, actually, this priest take all the fat out. All the fat out. All the fat of the organs and intestines and the skins and everything. Fat out. In sin offering, all, only those fat are on the burnt offering to be burnt. Not the skins, not the body, only fat. Do you understand that? Did you know that? Maybe some of you knew about it, you know, understand about this as first time. You see, let's, let's open the Bible. Leviticus. Let's all open the Bible. Leviticus. Leviticus. Chapter 4, verse 27. Chapter 4, verse 27. It goes this way. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and is guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, blemish or his sin which he has sinned, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger. Well, before I, I read this, let me ask this. Well, okay, after take the fat out and put them on the altar, what do they do with the blood? Where? Where? In a holy place? Are you sure? That's why our people are confused because they have not fed with the right sanctuary message yet, according to the Bible. Isn't that terrible? You see, the blood, sin offering, let me, let me, let me divide this way. When anointed priest sin, he has to bring young bull, which is bullock, 
and slain it according to this scripture here as we talked about. And then the blood will be brought into the, the holy place and then put them on the, on, on the horns of the incense, altar of incense and then sprinkle seven times on the veil. Alright? And then, second, second occasion, if whole congregation sins, same thing, young bullock, a young bull, they have to bring, which is expensive, and then have to do same way. But, individual person sins. When he brings the lamb or goat, then slain and cut it and everything, accordingly as we described, and then, is to take the blood and then dip it with the finger, finger of the priest and then put them on the horns of where? Blazon altar, which is the altar of the burnt offering outside of the court. And then rest of the blood, what do they do? They pour them at the base of the burnt offering altar. What does it mean? It means someday the blood of Jesus Christ will redeem from the curse of the sin just for the earth again. You see, that's why the blood of Jesus Christ symbolically is poured down to the base of the altar. I mean, because they did not have any cups? No, because it has, everything they do in the sanctuary has a purpose. We can understand. All right? Okay, let's go on and read then verse 29. Chapter 4, verse 29, Leviticus. And he shall, well, verse 30, Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour its remaining blood at the base of the altar, he says. But many Adventists think that, well, you know, every time the individual, when they sin, come with the lamb, and then every time they bring the, bring the blood and go into this holy place and sprinkle it. No, it doesn't happen that way. Only when the anointed priest sins and the whole congregation sins, it happens, it happens that way. And then, you see, the offerings are different. When priests sin, young bull. Whole congregation sins, young bull. But when individual sins, goats or lamb, why is it? Oh, I'll tell you, priest or the minister sins, well, it's, it's the same sin, like you and I sin, you know, every individual. But in God's eyes, take it as notice, God's eyes, the sins of the leaders are different. The sins of the leaders are more weighty, more responsible. It's terrible when leaders sin. You know, when congregation sins, in a way, whole congregation is terrible. Whole churchy, churchy sins, and one minister sins. In God's eyes, same thing. Because of his position, and responsibility. It's the same sin before God's eyes. You know what, my brothers and sisters? I believe this way. I love Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm not disfellowshipped yet, even though I'm running independent ministries. But if they kick me out, do you know what I will do? 
like some people say, I am going to crawl into the church through the windows. Nobody is going to cast me out from the church unless I believe historic Seventh-day Adventist doctrines. Nobody is going to deny me a Seventh-day Adventist. I do not care anyone do to me as long as I have a right relationship with my Lord and understand and believe the historic Seventh-day Adventist doctrines and teachings. I am, in reality, Seventh-day Adventist. Is there anyone who has been discriminated by the church? Oh, my brothers and sisters, my heart goes out for you. When church does to you, because you believe the truth, God is going to provide a sheepfold just for you. Because if you belong to Jesus Christ, actually, that is a real spiritual church. You know, your profession, your membership in the church actually doesn't really matter. If you do not have spiritual relationship with the Lord, it doesn't matter. You know, your membership is actually verified or it's worth when you have true spiritual relationship with the Lord. Without that, it's nothing. I'll tell you, it's nothing. It'll not do anything for you. I can tell you that. You see? Okay, why? Let's go back to the, uh, uh, the, uh, the offering here. Why the priest cut out all the fat out of the animals and burned, burned uh, the fat only, fat of the lamb, the Bible says. Why? Pardon? Yeah, the sweet savor, sweet aroma to God. Why? Why burn your fat? I mean, it's a, it's a bad smell to your nose, you know. When, when you pass by the uh, McDonald's or, or the, uh, what, what, what is it? The uh, Whopper? I mean, the uh, Burger Kings? And, you know, when you, when you smell those fat are burning, it smells bad to you. To me, at least, it is. Why it becomes aroma and good savor to, to God? There's a reason, brothers and sisters. Let's open, okay, Psalm 37, verse 20. Psalms, verse 37, verse 20. I mean, chapter 37, verse 20. It goes this way. Oh, this is beautiful. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as fat of what? Lambs. They shall be consume away you see what well, actually fat of the lamb symbolizes the wicked people and the sin itself that's why when they come for the sin offering only you know only priest a cutting the fat out of the lamb and then burn it you know, do you think when we give out our sins and confess sins and burn it on the, on the altar of the, uh, the, uh, the uh, burnt offering and the smoke goes up, do you think that will become a sweet savor to God? Yes, you better believe. You better believe it. You see, God is going to be so happy and pleased when we give up our own sins and confess and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I and my sins crucified you. I understand it now. 
with deep sorrow for the sins you committed in your, in your life, in your past, or today, or yesterday, and say, Oh Lord, I am pleading with you. I trust with your merit and sacrifice. Forgive my sins and cleanse me. At that time, God is going to take it as a sweet aroma from you. Nothing else. Nothing else. You know, some people preach this way. Well, justification is, is enough for salvation. You know what, what, what they're saying? They're saying this. When a person brings the lamb for sin offering, and priest goes, okay, you put the sin offering, let's kill it. Well, that's it. I mean, that's it. No more. You're forgiven. If the priest does in the sanctuary, wouldn't it be so ridiculous? That's only one third has, has been done in sanctuary service. They have to bring the blood into the holy place. And then on the day of atonement, they have to finish the sanctuary service. Do you know what I'm talking about? So if we understand a true sanctuary message, the new theology wouldn't be here, wouldn't be in the church from the first place. Because our people lack of the understanding of the sanctuary. We are here in this problem in the church. And I feel so furious when I feel that sometimes. You know, let me tell you, let me insert one, 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 one concept here. Some people come to me and ask me this way. Well, pastor, I have a problem. What is it? You know, uh, you know it's, well, you, you preach that uh, when I confess sins and you believe that you are forgiven. And faith, with faith, you know, believe that you're forgiven. But sometimes I don't feel that way. I don't feel that I'm forgiven. And then some preacher goes, well, just believe it, you know. He promises to believe it. I'll tell you what, it doesn't go that way. I knew in my experience, in my past life, I was in the same problem. I've been confessing sins and sins all my life. As I told you. From my primary school days up to the graduate school, I went to all Seventh-day Adventist school. I knew what is the salvation taught in Seventh-day Adventist church. But I did not have a true a assurance of salvation and forgiving experience. And then I realized, folks, listen to me very carefully. A mess you confess with all your heart, with true sorrow for the, for the things you have done. And then, with the decision that you are going to give up, and you are not going to do anything with it anymore, and then forsake it, until you reach to that point, you are not forgiven, and you are not going to experience a forgiveness of the Lord. You see, when we come to Jesus Christ, the sanctuary service tells us, you see, just kill the lamb, well, that's it, no more, we don't have to do anything. No! In outer, outer court, kill it, and then cut the throat from ear to ear, and cut, cut, the, cut the belly all the way across, and then take all the organs and, and wash it and say, Lord, from now on, my life is yours. Take the skin off and say, whatever I put on is yours. Not worldly fashion of dress. 
but your adornment of character and, and very modest clothes. Everything that I wear, the skin, is for you from now on. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then says, Lord, I can't my belly open. Lord, please search my soul. See if there's any wrong in my heart. If there is, please let me know. I will confess. I will forsake it. I want to be right with you because you're my Savior. I love you. When this happens, God will forgive you. Since I did not know about this, I tell you, new theology destroyed my life. New theology destroyed my life. Do you know that? The new theology teaching is nothing but Catholic doctrines. That has been invaded into our church with new form and called new theology. That's all deception of the other serpent. Satan, devil, trying to destroy the church. God's remnant church and God's people. You know, it's not only confess my sins are enough. Myself lay open before Lord and say, Search me, O Lord, if there's any fault or anything wrong or sin in me. And then you start to walk with Jesus Christ in the walk of sanctification. Preserving your relationship with Jesus Christ you had at the time of justification. You are remaining in justification by the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, I appreciate very much, Brother Anderson, when he shared his message this morning. It touched my heart. I believe exactly the same way. You know, God has a power to keep us from sinning. Look, you know, I cannot, I cannot say I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. I have many faults. I have short, short and weaknesses. But I know one, but I know this one. That Jesus has power and enough grace to keep me from sinning. Is that the only amen that I get when I say this? Would you say amen, please? Amen. Yeah, thank you. Because I'm not, you don't amen to me. You amen to the truth of the Lord here. You know, I, I don't know why, because I'm so used to with the big amens in Korean congregations, because Korean congregations are that way. But I... But I, I tell you the truth, I hear a lot more amens than, than cold American churches. A lot more amens from you, from the cold American churches. I, I appreciate that. I, I really thank God. You know, now, oh, before I, I go on, well, what time do I have to finish? Um, uh, can I go on for a few more minutes? Okay. <laughs> I'll, fin- I'll finish until you, you starve to death. <laughs> no, just a few, few minutes more, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, when, okay, when a person brings the lamb, okay, the blood is anointed on the, on the horns of the altar in the courtyard of the burnt offering, and then pour the remainder down to the base of the altar, and then what happens? And then what happens? This is very, very important part. I'm not going to read it because it's a short period of time. If you read chapter 6 of Leviticus afterwards, okay? Now, priests were ordered to eat the portion of the meat. Small portion, the size of the olive, they have to eat it. 
which means the sins of the sinner transferred to the lamb. And then from lamb, it transferred to priest himself. And then priest himself become defiled. That's why Jesus Christ has to come to the world in the sinful flesh. He was defiled to die for you and me. Isn't that enough to give our life for Jesus Christ? He did. Oh, I mean, that's a beautiful message, isn't it? And then, you see, he doesn't only eat once. Maybe he has to eat hundred times a day. Maybe thousand times a day. And then when he finishes his service for that day, this priest offers a goat sacrifice for himself. Do you know why? Because all the sins of the sinners who came, the people of Israel who came on that day to confess their sins, transferred to his own body. He, priest himself, was defiled. And he has offered the sacrifice for himself. And then he will take that blood to the holy place and then anoint the horns of the altar of incense and sprinkle on the veil seven times. Oh, folks, please understand. That's what happened exactly on the cross when Jesus Christ died, our Lord. You know, I find very, very interesting. When Jesus Christ Jesus Christ died on the cross. He didn't die like this. Oh, oh, it's so painful. Oh, and then gradually he died. No, that's not what he died. My Bible tells me when Jesus died, he cried out, My Father, I commend my soul into thy hand. It is finished. And then Bible, my Bible says he dropped his dead and died. Do you know what that means? You know, medical doctors can, can describe better, but that means his heart was broken, ruptured, and he died immediately. Folks, Jesus Christ, our Savior, did not die because of the wound of the cross. He didn't die because of the wound of the pierce of the, of the what? Pierce. He died because the sins of you and you and I. That's what killed Jesus Christ. You said, well, well pastor, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. No matter what, your sins and my sins killed Jesus Christ. You know, these are ages, as I, as I read, it describes beautifully this way, Ellen White. And she said, when Jesus died, Jesus felt all the guilty feel, all the guilt of human race in his conscience. Okay, let me ask you this. When you sin, what happens physically, mentally? What, what does it happen to you? You are fearful for the judgment, right? You are ashamed, right? You don't want to see anybody, and you feel sweaty, right? Cold sweats coming, coming, coming down from your forehead on your on your back, right? And you're frightened, and and uh, intimidated, and all these things happens. I tell you, these things happened to Jesus Christ when he died. 
multiplied in thousands and thousands sins human race committed. And Jesus felt all the guilt of human beings at one time. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter, Jesus Christ bore our sins on his body, Lee, on his body to become our sacrifice. He really felt our sins. That's why John the Baptist called, Look out, this is the Lamb who carries all the sins of the world. Oh, my brothers and sisters, on the cross of Jesus Christ, a real thing happened to save you, to save me. Do you know that? If you cannot trust this, what can you trust? That's why he paid your penalty to make you righteous. You know, let's open 2 Corinthians. Please, everyone, everyone, open your Bible. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Actually, the righteousness of Jesus Christ and our sin were switched on the cross. But it applies to you when you believe it and take it and receive it. <laughs> to illustrate this, I'm going to tell you my own story. I love this story because it is my own story. I love my mother. Do you? We all love our mothers, <laughs> dear mothers. My mother is still alive. Uh, she is, is going to be 68 years old. And she, she became old, but she li living uh, with, with me in, the, in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, you know, my mother was a lovely Christian. And uh, my mother, my father was not a Christian. My mother contained all our five children in the church because of the Christian influence of my mother. Now, when I was like fourth or fifth grader, uh, I don't remember exactly, but it was about fourth or fifth grader in, in, grade, in grade school. I was young. Once I played with my friends in, in, in the town that I lived in, and we cut the bamboo suit. Do you know what the bamboo suit is? And made a sword out of it and spear out of it. And we, made a, we, we uh, had a war game. And we had a marvelous time, <laughs> in a way, you see, like, like little kids. It's a sword, you know, you know, coming after each other. You see, sword and piers and arrows. We're having, you know, throwing the you know, stones and everything. And we had good time until the stones that I threw got hit the forehead of the lady who was passing by. Oh, I was devastating. And I saw it. And she was, she, she was oh, and she just fell down on the, on the ground. And I didn't know what to do. And I saw a blood was came down. Came down. What can you expect? You know, red blood. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And I said, lady, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then I ran away. Instead <laughs> of go, go to her. Because I was so scared, scared. I didn't know what to do. I ran away. And nowhere to go. I ran away to the front yard of my house. 
So I hid myself in the front yard of a small bush. There was a small bush. So I hid myself behind the bush. Oh, I thought if there's a small, small hole for rats, you know, I wish I could be disappeared in that rat hole. Do you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt that way before? I was so ashamed. I was scared. You know, I don't know what to do. If my father finds about, finds out about this, I I'll be dead person. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, wow, that big spanking. I'll be dead person. I was so scared. And then I was there, and there was a big knock on the gate, like this. Oh, it was coming. And my mother hurried out and opened the gate, and there was a lady, bleeding, holding like this, standing. With the, all my friends and boys around, and and they said, "Well, well, Mrs. Kong, well, David did it. David's the one who did it." Oh, what a friends, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I, I I felt really bad. Well, oh, you guys, I'll see you next time. <laughs> like this, the feeling, you know what I mean? Like a little boy. And I was, I, I hid myself. I could not come out. I hid myself like like I, I was dead, like this. And my mother, I knew, kind mother, gentle mother, hurried out with the first aid box, treated her. And then I knew I could see through the bushes. And she took her to the hospital. And then later on, I heard she had five stitches on her forehead. Oh, I felt so bad. And then something happened. When my mother came back from the hospital, she acted like nothing happened. She acted like normal, just just nothing, like like nothing happened. She was whispering, she was singing, she was washing dishes, she was cleaning, and she was doing everything normally she she does. And that worried me more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you see, because you know when when you when when you have a you know sky, very quiet sky, when you see some clouds, you know you sometimes it it comes with big storms. You know, I was scared, and then. I don't know what time, about an hour or two hours passed, and uh, it was about to, to sunset. And my mother, when I speak about this, it gives me teary, teary eyes all the time to me, because it, it just overwhelms me still. My dear mother, my loving mother, comes near to the bush, and she said this, David, it's time to eat. She knew I was there all along. She didn't say anything. David, it's time to eat. That voice heard to my ears like thunder. That made me repent. And I made up my mind, oh, mom, I'm sorry. Not with, with chastising creeps or rocks. A rod, she said, love with rebuking voice. David, you can come in now. It's time to eat. And I stood. I followed my, my mother. You know what? On that day, my mother spread the best meal that I can remember before me. I said, David, come. Let's eat. And I could not say anything. I began to eat. I began to eat. And then there was a ring of the bell. My father arrived from the job. 
And I thought, wow, I'm really dead now. <laughs> you know, I felt. And then my mother hurried out, opened the gate. There he came. And the first question, guess what? Anything happened to David today? <laughs> and my mother said, well, nothing really happened unusual. That's what, he thought, what she said. And then she did not say anything about that an instant on that day to my father. While I was eating, my mother was eating, my father was eating, I was eating. You know what? I put my spoon down, my chopstick down, and I wept, and I broke into crying. And I was sobbing, I was crying. And all of a sudden I cried, and father said, What's the matter with you, David? And I was still crying. And I confessed. And I said, Dad and Mom, rest of my life, I can guarantee you, I am never going to play war game anymore. I'm not going to throw the rocks toward anybody anymore. Forgive me. You know what? Because of the love of my mother, she wrote New Covenant, Ten Commandments of God, in my conscience and thoughts, my character. Her mother, my, my mother's, that love was overwhelmed me. I didn't cry because I was afraid of the judgment. I didn't cry because I was afraid of the whipping I was going to, I was going to get by my fa father. No! I wept because I was overwhelmed by my mother. Same way, brothers and sisters. Why do we want to stop sinning? Why do we want to live for Jesus Christ the rest of our lives? Because the love of Jesus Christ shown on the Calvary and the cross overwhelms us. That's why if you want to go to heaven, what would be the motivation? It's the love of Jesus Christ. It is a resource of power to thrive you, to drive you to live for Jesus Christ. Many people, they leave Christian living because they are afraid of Sunday law. Seven last plagues, or Jesus coming even. But that is the wrong reason to believe and follow. We have to understand about the love of Jesus Christ first. And I'm going to finish with the, the Day of Atonement very briefly. I cannot elaborate this. You know, I have to tell you about two hours about this, but I, I just want to shorten it just, just a couple of minutes here. What is the Day of Atonement? Day of Atonement is Judgment Day, right? Okay, the day is like this. The Day of Judgment is investigating of the records. Okay, but strange enough, those records are the sins that you confessed already. Those are the records that you were forgiven already if you, be, you are true Christians. Do you understand? But still they investigate those records. Why? Because God wants to know if you and I want to be, want, want to or desire to be forgiven still. Do you know what I'm saying? Still do we want to be forgiven or not? If you go to America, in court system, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a sentence by the judge when a couple divorces, they have this title. Sentence called Interlocutory Judgment. Is there any sentence in England? 
Interlocutory judgment means this, full legal right that is secure unless she herself changes her mind. This is which means probationary, probationary sentence. It is an absolute assurance without robbing her, her free own will. Which means, okay, well, judge says, okay, I, well, I will divorce you now, but, well, wife, if you change your mind, always you can come back in a certain period of time. But, uh, but this period of time passes, no more chance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Same thing is here. Same thing is here. You know, um, let me tell you this way. Maybe this will help you to understand. Great controversy did not cease, did not stop on the cross. Why? Why? On the cross, Jesus has done everything to forgive us, to save us, right? Then why God did not stop the controversy between good and evil at that time and, uh, you know, finish it, you know, once for all? Why didn't he do that? Simply because the great controversy is not involved with God only, but it is involved with you and I as well. You see, this war has been finished up in heaven already. And then Jesus Christ has to down, come down to demonstrate the God's part, the character of God. Okay? The devil accused God uh, like what? Well, God is selfish God. We are creatures. We, we, we are intelligent beings. We have our own wills. We have intelligence. Without be bound by the rules or Ten Commandments or the law of God, we can be more free. We can enjoy better. Without, we don't need law. We can keep the order and peace in the universe. You see, I'll tell you. But devil trying to destroy the law and change the law in order to, that he can have a chance to become a god. Because Ten Commandments in the first law says, Thou shalt not have another God before you. He has to eliminate that. And then Tenth Commandment, he says, Thou shalt not covet. He has to eliminate that in order to become like God. He wants to change the law. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then he says, Well, you know, God himself doesn't even cannot keep the law. He's selfish God. He just demands us to keep. He, he doesn't have any heart to keep this. And then the devil says, no creature can keep the law perfectly. And then when Adam and sin fell, well, he clapped his hand and said, look, universe, look at, see, no one really keep the law perfectly. And now fallen human beings they will never keep the law perfectly anymore. Now I'm sure. That was the accusation by the devil. So, you see, since this war is not war of the energy or power, this, this war is between accusations and vindication. It needed time. It needed witnesses. It needed demonstration. That's why it needed time. Now, Jesus Christ came down, and then he witnessed, and then he demonstrated that God is right and devil is wrong. In our flesh, sinful flesh, he kept the law perfectly, didn't he? And then he showed the humility and true love of God. 
And Satan says, well, you don't know God, what's in him actually. And then Jesus Christ and came and died on the cross and showed what is really in the heart of God. And then devil lost. But still there's one word to fight. It's between you and heaven. Between me and heaven. What is it? Can we be forgiven thoroughly? And can we live holy life? Can we obey God's law perfectly? That is what the Bible and the sanctuary service is talking about. That's why God has to bring about 144,000 as a last generation. You know, 144,000 fit to the sanctuary service very beautifully. Do you know that? Anyone knows that where and how the 144,000 fits into it? Huh? Yeah, measurement, that, that's a good insight too, like uh, Revelation chapter 11. That's good. But, I mean, it's a literal uh, you know, fulfillment there. What is it? Yeah, without fault, that's right. But I mean, in the literal, richer serve sanctuary service, there's a part of 144,000 only can play. Have you ever heard about Fin Man before? Fin Man? F I T, Fit Man? Fit Man. How do you pronounce it? I'm sorry, my, <laughs> my pronunciation. How do you say? A oh, fit. Fit man. Okay, I'm so, I have to have a, some, some <laughs> tutoring from, from you. Fit man, okay? This fit man was, was a, as a symbolized for that special group. I'll tell you why. This fit man was prepared or designated a year ahead. I said, you are going to be next fit man for next year. And then this man prepares, prepares his heart. His life clean and pray, dedicate. And then what happens? When, when the sunset of the day of atonement, no one is going to confess their sins anymore. It's all done. The close of probation. Well, by the way, the close of probation for the church, for you and I, is going to come very, very sooner than you think. Oh, let, 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 let not anyone to deceive you about this. Please be pre prepared. It's important. Now when that happens, high priest comes out, bear all the sins of the congregation of Israel, come out, and laid it upon whom? Scapegoat called? Azazel. The scapegoat. Okay? And then put it upon it. And Azazel means what? The strong one who rebels. Does it fit for, fit for Satan? Yes, it does. So actually, fit, fit man, well, high priest give, gives it to the fit man. And then fit man, take him by his throat, tangle him with the robe, and then by his throat, he catch him like this. Now this scapegoat knew and saw one of his brother came together, two goats were selected, right? One was died, which symbolized Jesus Christ, right? And then knew his, one of his, his saying goat was slain. And he knew he's going to about to die too. So this goat is trying to escape with all his might like this. 
And then thin man, he prepared for all year long and grabs him and says, Oh, no, you don't go anywhere. You come along with me and drive him and drive him, usher him. You know what? The Paul Paulson collection, Spalding and Paulson collection, page two, Ellen White said, If this fit man ever lose this scapegoat, then whole congregation of Israel will perish. That's symbolism. So he catches it. No, you don't go anywhere. Let's go. Let's go and usher him to the wilderness, which means 141,000 in last days are going to drive Satan and usher Satan into the wilderness, which is the millennium. And Satan is trying to taunt the 144,000, trying to make them, make them sinning, and then they refuse to sin. They just refuse and say they'd rather to die to sin. Not because of their own might, because they cling unto the power of Jesus Christ. And they learn to do that every day. And then they, they usher the goat. And then when they come to the cliff, kick him to the valley. And then he will die. Oh, I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is waiting for 144,000. You know what? Recently I realized 144,000 are going to be one who will give the right to our Jesus Christ to resurrect all the righteous people from first resurrection. Do you know why? Because, because you know, Satan goes when they resurrect. Well, Jesus, no, no, no. I mean, this person I know, this person ate pork. This person kept, kept, kept a Sunday, not Sabbath. Well, this person was not that, 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 uh, that perfectly like you, 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 you said. Well, but Jesus pointed out, look, Satan, look at this 144,000. If I gave same time, same period of time, and same gospel, same message, same light, same truth to, the pe to these people like I did to 144,000. Look at this. Their characters are the same as this. But their performance could be the same if I gave them enough light and period of time. That's why it will seal the lip of Satan. And then Jesus Christ in the universe will get the right to reject all the righteous people when he comes. I'll tell you, what is 144,000 necessary? Yes, they are. Without 144,000, the great controversy between devil and God cannot be finished. That is the reason why he brought up the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the last days. But when we forget, we do not even understand about sanctuary service and message. Oh, brothers and sisters, I'm pleading with you today. If there's any energy and power and dedication left in your heart, Please do it today. Let's kneel and pray. Oh, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace and long suffering with us. Oh, Father, so far we have failed our duty and responsibility. Father, forgive us. Oh Lord, since you have given us new Sabbath, I know you are giving us new chance. From now on, from this time and on, help us to become faithful to you 
and loyal to you. Father, make us 144,000. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have contemplated, O Lord, in this holy hour, the tremendous love that you have manifested and the wondrous things that you have done for us, we pray that in all humility we might indeed seek holiness, for you yourself are holy. And now we pray that you will continue to bless and guide us in our fellowship and our worship during the rest of this holy day. Amen. We ask in these uh, words and for Jesus' sake, Amen.